For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. In Denmark, the only known specimen of a narwhal beluga whale hybrid has been officially identified. The odd whale was killed by a subsistence hunter in the 80s. He kept the skull in recognition of the fact that it was noticeably different from the typical belugas. The skull was discovered by the scientific community in the 90s, sitting on top of the hunter's tool shed. Just recently, through the use of modern comprehensive DNA testing, the skull has been confirmed to be a real deal narluga. The pure white beluga and the unicorned narwhal have some real differences at first glance. Belugas, again, are white, while narwhals are often gray speckled with whites and browns. Belugas can have 40 teeth between the top and bottom jaw, while the narwhal male can grow a 10-foot long tooth out the front of its head, yet has no teeth whatsoever on its bottom jaw. Despite those basically external differences, the whales share much of the same diet and feed at much of the same depths. They live on the same block and eat at the same restaurant, so to speak. In fact, it is thought that these two whales were actually the same whale up until about 5 million years ago. I'm not sure if that makes this an incestual story or not, but we'll carry on. The beluga and the narwhal are the only two members of the monodontidae family. They're similar in size, belugas getting up in the range of 3,000 pounds and 14 feet long, narwhals about 2,100 pounds and 17 feet in length. Both can be found in Arctic waters year-round, kind of making the case for this marine mammal union, right? Well, doesn't seem that these two species hook up very often, sexually speaking. Analyzed genomes of narwhal and beluga show no evidence of successful hybridization between the species for at least the past 1.25 million years. As far as we know, and we know admittedly little about this, the subsistence hunter may have killed the only ones in existence or perhaps ever to exist. You did hear that right. I said ones, as in plural. 
The single skull was analyzed, tested, and identified, but there were actually three of the whales in the pod killed by the subsistence hunter in Greenland that day. Now you may be thinking, how awful! This bloodthirsty hunter just squashed a species that, you know, may have just crawled from the primordial muck for the very first time. Maybe. But that's one hell of a coincidence, and also, at the risk of sounding completely insensitive, that's exactly how evolution works. How the whole darn game is played, so to speak. Hybrids happen all the time, and all throughout the animal kingdom. Mule deer and whitetail deer will hybridize. A beefalo is a cross between a buffalo and domestic cattle. A mule is a hybrid of a horse and a donkey. A grizz and a polar bear will get together on occasion, creating something folks call a pizzly, apparently. If a camel and a llama shack up, it's called a comma. It's a long list of humorous names, but the point is, hybrids in some cases don't fare well in nature and most often do not reproduce. I'm spelling this out because it takes millions of years of hybridization to create a new species capable of reproduction. Our subsistence hunter didn't eradicate a species, he probably just closed the Narluga chapter before a few of the last pages were read. This week, we're talking beavers, wolves, the relationship between elephants and frogs, and so darn much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. It's fishing season in Montana, and elsewhere for that matter. Grab my fly pole, hit the Blackfoot River. You know that uh, movie River Runs Through It, where the one McLean boy is played by Brad Pitt, and he shows people how to cast a fly rod that has forever frustrated fishing guides ever since, that movie? Well, a good amount of time from that book and that film is spent on the, quote, Big Blackfoot, and that's where I spent a couple of days. The fishing was good, the scenery great. On my way home, just outside of the Bearmouth exit, I noticed a beaver walking Interstate 90. I was headed east, the beaver heading west. Caught me a bit off guard, but believe it or not, this isn't the first time I've come across North America's largest rodent, or castor canadensis, in a strange place. Beavers are typically pretty stationary during the winter, living and reproducing in bank dens or domed lodges constructed of mud, weeds, sticks, and even sizable logs. By the time spring rolls around, Ma and Pa beaver are ready to kick the kids out of the dam, timing the emptying of the nest with spring floods. The high water can transport young beavers strange places, even some places that might eventually turn high and dry. It's a risky but essential part of beaver life. One time, I came across a beaver carcass in the middle of a prickly pear cactus-covered prairie in eastern Montana. It had been a particularly high year for spring runoff, and every little drainage that could carry water did. In this case, a beaver had followed a series of creeks and rivulets and small streams, which ultimately left him, I assume, without water. Eventually, he had to try and walk his webbed feet and water-slapping tail across the high-dry cactus patch where I would ultimately find his remains. Doesn't sound like a great way to go, but that's the danger of dispersal. Spreading those genes has a cost. That's just the beaver's side of things. The critters that eat the beaver's side of things is where it gets even more interesting. In Voyagers National Park, a park in northern Minnesota named after the famed French-Canadian fur traders of the region, if you haven't heard of or don't know what a Voyager is, you're in luck. I'm going to tell you right now. The Voyagers, as in the people, not the park, had serious reputations and for good reason. They operated massive birch bark canoes, sometimes 40 feet in length, loaded to the hilt with bundled beaver pelts and trade goods. 
The big canoes that operated on the Great Lakes and Ottawa River could haul three to four tons of beaver bundles at a time. That's roughly 67 to 89 90-pound bundles of beaver pelts. Those bundles would then need to be portaged on the back of the Voyager in between lakes. Some accounts describe the trait that defined these stout canoeists was the ability to carry two of these bundles at a time. The heyday of the Voyager was back in the 1700s through the early 1800s, and pretty cool stuff. What's happening currently in Voyagers and just outside the National Park with beavers is pretty darn interesting as well, so we'll get back to that. Since 2015, biologists and voyagers have identified more than 400 wolf-beaver ambush sites and one individual wolf that killed 28 beavers in one year. A scat analysis study of 1,000 samples of wolf poop showed that beaver was actually the preferred prey of wolves during May and June in voyagers. That diet timed perfectly with the dispersal of naive young beavers from the lodge. Since we talked about canoes and we're currently in the upper Midwest, I just can't not talk about the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. The Boundary Waters Canoe Area was established in 1964, and it is our most visited wilderness area in the U.S., averaging 155,000 people per year. Over 1 million acres in size, 1,200 miles of established canoe routes, with more than 2,000 designated campsites and 1,100 lakes. This place is known for northern pike, smallmouth bass, that golden child of Midwest fisheries, the walleye, as well as a heck of a lot of other fish, birds, bears, moose, and general outdoors good times. Right now, there is a proposed sulfide ore copper mining operation that could potentially have a huge impact on this area, as well as areas downstream, like voyagers. Mining in this area isn't new. 5.1 billion tons of iron ore came out of northern Minnesota from 1892 to 2018. The deposit in question, containing a possible 4 billion tons of gold, silver, palladium, platinum, copper, nickel, has an estimated value of over $1 trillion, which, you know, sounds like a hell of a lot of money. Here's the rub. The proposed mine site sits within an area protected by the 1978 Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness Act, an act that banned mining within the wilderness and an additional 222,000 acres that would provide additional protection for the entirety of the Rainy River Drainage Basin, which is also part of Voyagers National Park. The Boundary Waters Canoe Area is considered the headwaters of the entire Rainy River Drainage Basin. Headwaters meaning basically the start or the head end tippy top from which water must flow down. The mine property is leased U.S. Forest Service ground administered by the Bureau of Land Management, signed in 1966, before the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness Act went into effect. Six percent of Minnesota is water. The national forest that calls the Boundary Waters home holds 20 percent of the fresh water in the entirety of the U.S. national forest system. That old saying of, you know, Stuff flows downhill is something to keep in mind here. I like folks to make a living. I realize we in the U.S. consume a lot of goods that require raw materials to make. I just don't know if those raw materials should come from this particular spot. If you want to know more about this scenario, and you should, you own this land, check out sportsmanfortheboundarywaters.org. They are just one of the many groups looking out for this incredible area. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on X. 
the Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Area. Moving on to some quick hitters. One thing everyone is talking about is the so-called mummified man that was supposedly rescued from the den of a brown bear out in the remote wilds of Russia's Tuva region. The man was apparently attacked and drugged into the den, severely injured, surviving off his own urine for a month. At that point, he was located by chance, again, in the remote, remote wilds of Russia by hunters in the exact same spot. Not looking for him, but they happen to have dogs that found him. I have so many, so many questions as to the validity of this report and how this conflicts with my general sense of bear behavior that I can just barely stand to mention it here. So, if you want to follow up on this, our own Spencer Newharth has done some digging on his own Find out what he knows at TheMeatEater.com. Moving on to more strange occurrences with people and wildlife. Social media influencers and the wildlife they pose with are getting some attention. In Australia, for the low price of two grand a night, you can pose nude in a bathtub inches from tigers in a glass-walled enclosure or get a picture sitting on an elevated deck next to a giraffe. So, there's that. If you've been looking for a deal on African elephants, Zimbabwe has got a deal for you. 
Just last May, China and Dubai reportedly purchased 90 elephants for only 2.7 million, or 15.88 a pound. The president of Zimbabwe is looking to reduce their current elephant herd from 84,000 to 50,000. Also up for grabs are lions and buffalo. No word on shipping costs. On the topic of elephants, only in Myanmar, not Zimbabwe, a recent study has found that Asian elephant tracks provide predator-free breeding areas in the pachyderm puddles. The elephant tracks can remain for a year or more and help connect frog populations. Hopping over to birds, ancient ones, Eocarachius brachyptera was blue, or at least a maximum probability of only 19% that Eocarachius brachyptera was gray. The Journal of Royal Science Interface just published a study of the oldest fossil evidence of blue feathers ever found. Apparently, blue feathers are fairly uncommon and are determined by pigments within microscopic pigment sacs called melanosomes. Melanosomes in modern birds tend to have distinct shapes. Recently, researchers looked at 72 feathers from today's bird groups, then cross-referenced the melanosomes and their corresponding colors with the fossilized Eocarasis brachyptera and determined, almost certainly, that this possibly 56-million-year-old bird from the Eocene period was blue. 99% sure. To linger on the topic of ancient birds that are tough to pronounce, Europe's first-ever giant bird fossil was just discovered in Crimea, Giant bird fossils have been discovered elsewhere, but until now, not in Europe. Paleontologists believe this specimen of giant bird to be Pachystruthio, or a relative of Pachystruthio. Based off of the mass and length of a femur, this bird from the Crimean Peninsula is estimated to have weighed 992 pounds and may have competed with one of our ancestors, Homo erectus. 992 pounds. That's roughly three times the size of an ostrich or your average telephone pole, or one testicle from the right whale. Magic of the internet, folks. Turns out the net is full of testicle facts. Ah! All right, we're moving on. In Malaysia, customs officials have been busy making back-to-back -back busts. One bust for the attempted smuggling of 31.6 pounds of meth valued at $172,500. The other bust for the attempted smuggling of 5,255 baby red-eared slider turtles valued at $12,600. Both smuggling attempts involved two men with the illegal contraband hidden in their luggage. The meth carries the death penalty upon conviction. The turtles, a fine, and up to five years in jail. Remember the South Carolina guy who branded sharks? Well... Apparently, the illegal tagging of fish is becoming a thing. So we're going to finish this week out at the desk of uh, poor decision-making or the people who follow through with bad ideas and torment animals for no reason desk. The title is a work in progress. It's an uh, interim desk job. Anyway, a tournament angler on Lake Michigan recently landed a fish saddled with an eternal symbol of devotion or perhaps misery. The fish, a steelhead caught not far from Chicago, had a wedding ring zip-tied to its tail. A fishing guide had caught the fish two months previous, strapped the emblem of his failed marriage to the fish's tail, and set the steelhead free. <laughs> Photos show that the zip-tie was damaging the caudal peduncle, which is a fancy name for the spot just in front of its tail, and it looked just completely flat-out miserable for the steelhead. 
Now, I've got nothing against grand symbolic gestures, but burdening a fish with your literal emotional baggage is the move of a man who just doesn't think things through. You could call this behavior selfish even. Hell, one could go as far as to speculate that behavior like this didn't do much to prolong the marriage. You could go as far as to look at this situation and think how lucky this fishing guide's ex-lady is to have that ring off her finger. Thanks for listening, and remember to tell me where I messed up or what I'm missing at A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at themeateater.com. If you like what you've heard so far, go to places where podcasts are streamable and downloadable like iTunes and leave me a review and hit that furthest right-hand star. If you want even more, follow me on Instagram at olcal, O-L-C-A-L 406. That way maybe you can see if I believe in this stuff myself. Have a great week. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.